I'm Chara Santilli. I was born with ambition. My parents were entrepreneurs and I pushed myself to be high school valedictorian, class president, most artistic, and most likely to succeed. The summer I turned 19, we celebrated my dad's 50th birthday with a hot air balloon ride. A crash landing left him with a broken neck, me with a broken heart, and my mom coping through alcohol. My relentless ambition helped me become a successful entrepreneur, yet my own private paralysis and overachiever addiction ruled me. I finally ventured on a quest for my best life. I found the path of my inner peace, how to stay on it and how to show the way for others. Now it's your turn. Ready to take that load off your shoulders? Join me so you can cherish your life. I am so excited today to have with me Sigrun. She um, is someone that a year ago I didn't know. And yet here a year later, I have spent 30 weeks this year in her courses. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like I know her really well. Um, And uh, she has been a, a great mentor to me in this phase of my business and really establishing a certain type of online business. And uh, so that is um, just in a nutshell, just summarizing my year with Sigrid. But uh, basically, I want to share that Sigrid is an online business mentor and primarily works with female entrepreneurs. Most of her clients are in Europe, but I happened to hear of her from someone I was following uh, who's not in Europe. and, um, And I'm one of some, you know, smaller minority of clients that, that come in from the U.S. And she is originally from uh, Iceland and has spent more than half her life in other countries, though, Germany, the U.K., Switzerland. Actually, I thought of you this morning when I put on my necklace. I was looking at my jewelry. Oops, there. Um, I got this. There we go. In Switzerland when I was about 15. Oh. And um, and I Iceland is one of the two favorite countries my husband and I have been to that we went to about six years ago. And that's um, actually the, the image on my um, phone is of him and I, I standing in front of a waterfall in Iceland. That's my home screen image. So oh. um, yeah, I want to go back so badly, but Sigrin has is really a remarkable person. She has four master's degrees. She's been a CEO in several businesses And in 2014, she started her own online business and quickly built it to be a seven-figure coaching business. So she's a business coach and mentor, and it's just really cool what she's out there doing. Um, So welcome, Sigrin. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me, Taris, and thank you for this great introduction. (laughs) (laughs) And something else I want to share So um, one thing that I found in learning about Sigrun this last year is um, that she and I have something in common about our childhoods in that we really were each brought up believing that we could do anything, Hmm. like we could do anything we wanted. And it was, you know, that I think roots from, although we grew up in different countries and in different cultures, something, there was something in each of our home dynamics and the culture around us that gave us that messaging. And that real, I really did feel that way. That, that was a great start for me. And I love to know that, that you started that way too, because a lot of people don't. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
yet in our own ways, we each had different things come along in life and that, you know, made us realize there's, there seems to be limitations out there in the world or limitations people put on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I love that you are dedicated to helping people break through those limitations and really in a nutshell, help women, especially, although I know there's some men in your courses, but it's primarily women to Mm -hmm. follow their dreams, create profitable lifestyle businesses, which I think is really interesting. I want to touch on some more later because, you know, my audience and my show and and my stuff is all around finding your best and your own life balance. Mm -hmm. What's, you know, what feels balanced to you and, and doesn't feel frenetic and, and, um, and so, and I love that you're all for women raising themselves and, and more equality in, in the world. So, um, do share any, you know, I, I think whatever's coming to mind a little bit more about the, your background or, or whatever's, whatever you feel like, we're just going to chat yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. I was brought up in the belief I could do anything. Uh, and, and like you, uh, you know, I went into this world thinking <laughs> everyone is raised this way and, uh, there's no limitations for girls or women. And, uh, and then I saw that was not the case. I started to read the news quite early and, you see mainly men in powerful positions. And so it was quite a highlight for me when uh, nine years old, we had the first female president in Iceland. And she was, by the way, the first democratically elected female president in the whole world. And what was so special about it, you know, I was reading the news. So I, I was aware of some of the things and some of the things I think I was aware of later on in life, how, how, amazing this uh, was. Uh, she was a divorced mother with an adopted daughter. She was actually the first single woman to uh, be allowed to adopt a daughter. So this is like so many firsts. Uh, I didn't know this fact as I was nine years old, but I knew that she, there was no husband. And, uh, you know, if you think back in the days being uh, elected into a political office and you're not married, you don't have a wife or you don't have a husband, that was pretty uncommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to that, the fact that she actually was not a politician, she had not studied law or business, but theater and French, uh, fascinating, really fascinating. So she was defying the odds in many ways. And she had recently gone through uh, you know, cancer therapy and one of her breasts had been removed and her opponent used it against her. I think if someone would do that today, they would be just killed immediately, like socially, social yeah. media killed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, w- they would be in the cancel culture uh, and would not have a chance. But back in the days, this was allowed on TV. Uh, they could criticize her. And then she said her famous words, I'm not going to feed the nation. I'm going to lead the nation. Uh, Amazing woman. She was a president for 16 years. And I do think uh, this kind of like proved to me women can do anything. So again, confirmed my parents, I can do anything. This woman becomes president, I can do anything. And then I was 16 years old and I was making my own clothes for a while, uh, inspired by my mother and grandmother. And I wanted to learn how to do a sewing pattern. And so I went to a course with a dressmaker and uh, we were eight women. This was an eight week 
program once a week. This was like late in the evening. My parents had to drive me and pick me up. I didn't have a driver's license yet. And, um, but they were all in the, in our age. Uh, and I was young. So I would just, you know, sit and listen to them when we took a break and could talk about ourselves. And that's when I realized there's something else out there. There are so many limits that women put on themselves. And of course, as a 16 year old, I don't think I realized all of this that I've later found out mm -hmm. by actually learning how to coach people and going into personal development myself. But basically me as a 16 year old, uh, it was life changing to experience this. This was really left me thinking. It left me also angry and frustrated, uh, not for the women themselves, but for society to be supportive of their excuses, like allowing them to say, hey, I can't follow my dreams because I have children. Whereas I'm sure their husbands were doing what they wanted to do and they had children. So I was like, why does society put a bigger burden on women? Why are they supposed to take care of children, husband, aging parents, uh, the household? What else? Why is this the case? Why is it not equal? Why cannot both follow their dreams? And uh, yeah, I was frustrated about society. So I was like, as the weeks went on, the topic just came up again and again. And I was like, really, really? This is not how I want to live. I don't want to be one of these women. And so I took a couple of decisions. First of all, obviously kids are a problem, so I'm not going to have any children. Well, I wasn't into children before. So my, my mother tried very heavily to give me dolls and I just threw them away. I like to play a little bit with cards, but mostly I was drawing. So not everyone falls in love with dolls. I, I never tried to babysit kids like my my like my girlfriends yeah me neither I wasn't a babysitter I, I had no desire I like no dolls desire. I had like dolls but I had no desire to babysit yeah. no I didn't like dolls I didn't like to babysit I like dogs so but I think this was like the the final thing I'm not having children because at that time I was like well obviously that stops you from following your dreams of course I know better and today I have stepsons and I've had them since 14 years and I love to have, you know, younger <laughs> generation in my life. Uh, but yeah, I took that decision. The second decision I took was to never have a man stop me. I believed in love. You know, my parents met when they were 13. They are still happily married. They're 77 now. So how can you not believe in love when you have parents like that? I just have to say, I saw the adorable family photo with them dressed up with you with Halloween. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> this is a newer thing. Apparently that we're recording this a few weeks after Halloween, although it's going to drop a little later in December. But yeah, the fact that Halloween's kind of a newer thing for adults to Absolutely celebrate new. in this Iceland. My first Halloween party. Yeah. So anyway, you, you were talking about what awesome parents because they went all in with you. They went all in. My mom <laughs> took uh, some black uh, eye, what do you, eye contour thing. Uh, and eyeliner. Uh-huh. On her, on her teeth to look like she had missing teeth. Yeah, anyway, my parents are awesome. I, I, I feel really blessed uh, to also have seen love and, uh, and believe in it, despite, you know, there's a 50-50% chance of divorce when you get married, at least in Iceland. People will not stay married. 
if if they are not feel like it. Uh, I, I still believed in love uh, through them, but I was like, but the man needs to not stop me from following my dreams because obviously that could be something since these women said so. Uh, the third thing was, well, just confirming with myself that I will always follow my dreams. I was 16, uh, so I didn't know what life would bring me, but I just decided that whatever I want to do, like I'm not talking crazy things, I don't need to go to the moon or anything like that, but I was just thinking I will allow myself to follow my dreams. And then later on, I found what that meant to me. Uh, and the fourth decision was, I need to do something about gender equality. And I want to play my part, play my role. I didn't know what, I knew I didn't want to be a politician because they all sound corrupt to me. <laughs> or they promise you the world and then you vote and then they do something different. Uh, so I felt there must be another way and so, yeah, this is where the decision I took and it has guided me. And it's interesting, you know, with the children, I got bonus children in the end. Uh, with the husband, I, I had to be in two long-term relationships to find the right one. We are together since 14 years and he is my biggest supporter. Uh, also toughest critic, but I think that's sometimes a good combination. Someone yeah, that yeah. can tell you, ah, I think you should have said this or whatever. Um and then making my dreams come true. You know, you mentioned I had four master's degrees. <laughs> I studied architecture and it was my dream since I was 11 years old to become an architect. Then two years before graduation, I realized I didn't want to be an architect. I still finished because I like to finish what I start. <laughs> That's my mantra. Uh, to finish what you start. I'm even a licensed architect. I even did like a course in Iceland when I came back from Germany after studies to just make sure I do the whole thing. Like, <laughs> you know, I did the, like an extra exam on building laws in Iceland. And even like, though okay. you knew you weren't going to pursue even it. When, even when I knew I wasn't going to do it. That's how I was like, I have to finish because I think uh, when you are an entrepreneur and I'm sure you can relate some people who are listening or watching, we like to start things. We're not so excited about finishing. So it's we're al almost fighting our inner demon to finish things. And I was like, I gotta finish this. I gotta, I gotta finish what I started. You cannot study for so many years and not finish. But I knew two years before that I'd fallen in love with the internet, and uh, I just saw websites and 3D worlds. Yes, 3D worlds. We're talking about 30 years ago. <laughs> uh, no, maybe not 30 years. Sorry, 20 let's say 20 years ago. Yeah, 3D worlds. And I was like, this is it. This is where I want to go. And uh, I was even allowed to do my final architecture thesis uh, on in the computer department. Oh. So it was actually a 3D multi-user world. It was a metaverse. Oh, wow. And now 20 years later, they're finally making it happening. <laughs> but 20 years ago, I was one of 100 people in the world doing 3D. Oh, that's cool. It was amazing. Yeah. And I felt I had discovered a whole new world. Also the people I talked to, there was a 50 year old guy in Seattle that answered all my emails. Now you must imagine back in the days you send an email. This was social media. You send an email <laughs> and then hundred people get the email and then you get replies back. So I was the next morning, I would have a reply back from the guy in Seattle because nobody 
in the city I was in and where I was studying and trying to do my 3D world could help me. But the guy in Seattle could. <laughs> <laughs> so I had new friends all over the world that were doing this weird stuff, 3D. Yeah, but the point I was trying to make with this story was <laughs> I had decided to study architecture. I allowed myself to change my mind and go into a new field, which was computer science. My mother was so disappointed. I think she's still disappointed that I'm not an architect. But I, it was very interesting how I felt. I didn't feel any regrets. No, uh, nothing that I didn't feel I had done anything wrong. Uh, I was like so calm about this. This is just, this is my path. And I, I realized in hindsight, I take this back to the decision as a 16 year old to allow myself to follow my dreams. Yeah. And it's so important because I went into computer science and suddenly a few years later, I'm a CEO and I'm like, oh, now I need to study business. But I never saw that I had done anything wrong or I should have done diff things differently. I see it all. It's a red thread. Red is my favorite color. So that's a very good analogy. It's a red thread throughout my life. I think I benefit from anything, everything I've done and studied. Yes, I had to pay a lot of student loans. <laughs> uh, that was maybe the last, least fun part, but no regrets at all because I had taken this decision of always following my dreams. The, those two things are huge. I think that giving permission to change mind, change your mind is is something that most people don't do. And I think that that's part of the the, the problem of them not feeling satisfied. Yeah. Are you yeah. hearing a little feedback or is it just me? No, all good on my side. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's remarkable that you recognize that and you carried that thread with you because that's, I think that's the only way we really can truly keep following our dreams is to be okay to change our mind and change the path and listen, listen and change. And, and, and also take opportunities. Uh, as I was uh, there in Germany, just finished my degree in architecture. Apparently my thesis was so unique, you know, that I went on uh, uh, traveling around Germany. I was invited to Greece. I was speaking in Iceland, you know, this was me just graduated. I was scared of speaking back in the days, not anymore. <laughs> I was scared of going on stage, but the good thing for me, I was constantly saying the same thing. I was always presenting my thesis. So at some point uh, I got used to it, but yeah, it was so unique that uh, uh, one exhibition I went to and told people about my thesis was a professor from Zurich, Switzerland and said, come to us to study. And I went home to my boyfriend. I said, I'm going to Zurich. <laughs> you know, I, I, we lived three hours away, so it was still doable, uh, you know, but he, he was not so much in favor of me going where I started to realize that he might not be the right person for me <laughs> in my life. Uh, because I was like, this is my opportunity. This is a life changing Zurich, you know, uh, the uh, Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich is like MIT of Europe. You don't decline an invitation on a scholarship to go wow. there for a year. And it was amazing. So I moved to Zurich uh, and I was there for a year and I went fully into programming and we were doing crazy things that I would never have done in my life. So I was like, 
one thing led to another. When you follow your dreams, you have new opportunities that you would, you know, it opened up my mind. Like this one year in Zurich was literally life-changing. Uh, and yes, one thing has led to another. It's like we see opportunities, we get opportunities when we follow our dreams. And then the fourth part, how has that manifested itself is it wasn't that I was always looking for like, how can I improve gender equality? I think it was just like, I'm looking, seeing what happened. And when I became a CEO in 2004, it was interesting because the media was very interested in female CEOs because there aren't so many of them. Mm -hmm. And so I realized just by being interviewed that I am impacting gender equality because you are showing women that they can be CEOs. You're showing young girls that they can be in a leadership position. And after I had done several interviews, it became easier to me. I was like, yeah, I'll do another interview. I said yes to almost all interviews. A lot of women say no, which is a mistake. I said yes to all these interviews. And this was not my business and my business benefit and the business I was running benefited eh, maybe a little bit from all these interviews. But I was just like, take these opportunities, talk to people. And when you see more women, you know, you open up a business newspaper, men, 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 men. And there was an interview with me. Then I felt like I've started to do something, but it was finally with the business I have today that I realized this is it. Now I can really, it's like a, a social thing to actually decide to help women from zero to seven figures. Like I could be making more money if I was an executive coach, let's say. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, so it's it's like I want to get women from zero to seven figures. That's really like when more women make more money, we'll have more equality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, yeah. it has come a long way since we were kids, but it still has a ways to go. Yeah, the, the financial part is the biggest one. And that's the one that I feel the World Economic Forum is not focusing on enough. Uh, they often talk about, oh, it's another 256 years to gender equality. And I'm like, ah, by what measure? And then I look at uh, access to health, uh, you know, opportunity to get a, a job, uh, education. And I'm like, uh, what about the financial part? How much assets women have? How much money they have access to? Uh, and there, And that's going to be very hard to fix because... The money is mostly owned by men, but where women, where, where we can impact, we have to think, what can we do ourselves? I cannot take money away. I cannot be a Robin Hood that take money away from the guys and give it to the women. So what can I do? And uh, what is shocking, the statistics, this is from the US, is that 90% of female-led businesses make less than 100,000. So, and they don't have any employees. So when you think of, you know, when I am listening to the U.S. news, it's always about how many jobs were created in November, how many jobs were created in December. That is the fuel of the economy is jobs. Mm -hmm. So if women are not creating jobs, then how are we contributing to the economy? Only 1.7% makes a million a year. And if you look overall revenue of all businesses, Women contribute 4%. Wow. Female-led businesses contribute. Now, women are contributing more, but they are 
in the businesses and not in leadership position. They're not the owners of the businesses. I didn't realize the numbers were so small like that. Mm. Wow. That fuels me even more to uh, inspire women to think bigger. A lot of women like go, we go more into business. This is also research that I heard about recently. We go into business for freedom. Mm-hmm. Women go into business, not for money, but for freedom. Men go into business for money and status. Yeah. And this creates this imbalance of how much money we actually want to make. Like how much effort do we actually want to make? But I believe there's a way to do both. Mm-hmm. And that's how I hopefully can get across to the women I work with. And also just, you know, through my content is that you can have a business that makes a lot of money without, you know, uh, burnout or, you know, working yourself to the ground. Yeah, it's so about t- being smart, how you can scale it up. So talk about that a little bit more, because I, that is a big focus for me. I mean, that's been a big focus of my own life this last 10 years for myself and now me helping others to watch that overwhelm, watch that burnout, um, take care of themselves before their body is screaming at them in a zillion ways to stop um, and find what feels more enjoyable, find that peace of mind, find that balance in their life that just suits them. Not a perfect equation. I don't believe there's that. I don't believe there's work X hours and do this X hours and, you know, not, I, I don't, I don't teach balance that way, but to feel most of the day, most of your life to feel, feel balanced and feel peace of mind most of the time. It's, it's not all the time and every day. Um, I think that's unattainable, but talk about that. You know, what does that look like for you personally right now? Yeah. Well, I was very much, uh, intrigued by this concept of lifestyle business. I don't use those words so much today. Maybe I should use them again. But uh, I would say to people, I'm starting a lifestyle business when I start my business. They're like, what is that? It doesn't sound like a real business. And that's probably why I dropped it at some Mm -hmm. point. But I still believe that you should design your lifestyle and then your business around it. That's what I mean with a lifestyle business. I am, for instance, a person that likes to sleep in. I, <laughs> I'm not a morning person. So why would I want to do meetings at 8 or 9 a.m.? Why don't I start my day at 10 a.m.? Just simple change like that. Then I'm honoring myself, my body, how I like to sleep. Uh, other things, you know, I like to take a break in the middle of the day to go for a walk or work with my personal trainer. Just put it in the schedule and make it happen. Um, you know, th- there is like, there is many ways how you can have a lifestyle business. I wanted always to be able to live in two countries because for me, lifestyle is also about like, who do I want to spend the time with? I didn't want to be living in Switzerland and then have 20 days on holidays. It's 20 days of holiday typically. Uh, I know it's less in the US, but 20 days sounded horribly little to me when most of my friends and my close family, and I am close to my family, um, I felt that was like ripping my heart into pieces. But having my own business where I can say, I can live in two places, that already calms you down. Or what happened last year, my dad was suddenly in hospital Mm -hmm. in Spain and in the Canary Islands. And within two days, 
I was on a plane to Spain and for the next two months I was there taking care of my parents and my business kept on going because I've set it up in a way that doesn't require me to be there all the time. Now, obviously it had some impact. Yeah, I'll be honest about that. It had some impact, but not as much impact as you might have if I had was alone in my business making less than six figures. By me having a multiple seven-figure business and having a team and having coaches and mentors in my programs, everything continued without me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so lifestyle business doesn't mean a small business, although it will imply that in many ways. I actually think Richard Branson is the ultimate lifestyle entrepreneur. If you want to look at someone that's a billionaire, but lives an amazing life, which I've seen in person on his Yeah, island. you just yeah. went a few months ago. You went to Necker Island. I and I, Necker yeah, Island, I yeah, I know that it, it it's something that you can pay and go experience without Richard, but Sigrin was there with Richard. Yes, every yeah. single day. We were there for five days and I saw in person. Now he's 72 and I'm sure he has calmed a little bit down, <laughs> but he combines business in a beautiful way with a very healthy lifestyle. I was very inspired. He probably spends at least two hours a day working on, you know, he does uh, tennis or hiking or goes on a boat. Like, of course, these are more fun opportunities than going on your exercise bike at home or going for work. But still, he puts uh, fitness as a priority. And uh, he will plan his day. He says he actually wakes up at five because his team is in London. So he will cater for the time zone because he's in the Caribbean. So, uh, but then his days may be finished at noon. And then he has the rest of the day to do sports or meet with people that come to his island. You know, uh, he actually never had an office. If you read his book, you will realize that he had, uh, he was living on a houseboat And most of the meetings, when he was even starting Virgin Atlantic or who knows what, big, big companies, the meeting was on the houseboat. He lived there and did the meetings there. Basically, the ultimate home office. Very, very inspiring. And people think of him as another office guy. You know, he never wears a tie. Like, also how he dresses. Yeah, it's not... Just Richard Branson, I think a lot of people say, yeah, but he's a billionaire. Lifestyle business can be as big or small as you want to. The reason I want women to make it big or bigger is the equality discussion. You know, I want us to contribute to the economy. I want the 4% to go to 5, 6, you know, maybe one day 10%. Uh, because, you know, we bring such a valuable quality to life and business. And with what women that people hear about and see about, we're going to contribute to equality. And, and also, I, you know, I've, uh, in the background, I support things that, you know, I don't talk about this a lot. Um, but for instance, the fact that, let's say, uh, sexual harassment in a company if women don't have the funds to hire the best lawyer and the guy has the best lawyer, we know how it ends. And this comes down to having money. So 
money is power in a good way. I'm not talking power in a bad way, but it's power in a good way that helps you have impact and contributes to equality. So finding your own personal way to scale up is think is the best way for women to actually that are all like I cannot achieve gender equality on my own. I have to inspire a lot of women to also start to think bigger, to start to think how they can contribute to the economy uh, and together we can change the world. Well, you've certainly shown me in the programs that I've taken with you of the scalability model, which is very exciting. And, um, and to get those foundations in place for myself and switching from a um, older school type of uh, coaching model to being able to make a bigger impact through online courses and that are completely scalable and you can serve and support. Yeah. I mean, the sky's the limit on the number of people and it's remarkable. And, and I really, you know, a year ish ago, didn't, I did not really understand how much was available in this area, especially, Mm. you know, with, of online business, it was just, um, it was not in my purview. It just was not, not on my radar for whatever reason. And, uh, it's been so exciting to just see this whole world come to light. Well, now my feed is like (laughs) constantly all of the online business, you know, things advertising to me now. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh, where was I? I was under a rock before. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now you're in the bubble, which is another, (laughs) that's a, that's a new problem to have because, you know, when I meet people who who are not in the bubble, I went to, uh, uh, Ernst and Young uh, Entrepreneur of the Year Gala Dinner. Uh, I was one of their candidates. And then I start to talk and try to tell someone what I do. And they just don't get it. <laughs> and, and then you're like, okay, I'm so too much in my bubble because I can't even communicate to other people what we actually do in this business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if anybody's listening, they don't really fully understand. It's it's. Well, you, why don't you share, Sigrun? Sh- share because uh, you know I, I've got a variety of people and uh, that are listening to us with the different types of things that they do in their life, and they may not understand what an online, you know, what we're talking about and what what you do. So, t- share a little bit about the online business world. This this yeah. Bubble. So I think it's best to compare offline to online because I think offline people get it. So you have let's say a shop. Uh, you know, offline shop, and you try to position the shop on a busy street because there is traffic on the street. So you will have people come into the shop. So, and then you might also do some ads. Uh, and maybe in the old days, you did TV ads or posters. And then, of course, ads have moved online as well for brick and mortar shops. When you go into the online world, uh, you know, your storefront is is for instance your website so you want to get traffic but the thing is no one is coming (laughs) you cannot place your website uh in front of somebody eyeballs you have to find people through social media yeah so online entrepreneurs are active on social media they post something that is interesting oh i'm interested enough i click on it and then i come to the storefront so the traffic is not given but same in the offline world, if you have positioned your shop in a side street, or maybe you are in a little village where there's no traffic, 
it's harder to bring people in. So that's why it's important to be active on social media. That's where you get traffic. You send them over to your website. And then what you want to do, they're on the website. You want them to get in. So how do you get them to come in? So you would do that in offline with a wonderful display. There's the shoes that are red shoes. For me, it would be red shoes. If I see some red shoes, I will go into the shop. Now, in online, we have a freebie. The only way we're actually going to get people in the door, like on our email list, is to offer them something for free. And that could be an ebook, uh, could be a checklist, could be an hour training. Uh, there are different things, mini courses. Uh, and so we, this is how we get people on our email list. And when the people on the email list, we need to nurture them. Same thing with the shop, you know, they might, when I, when I pay for the red shoes, they want to get me on the email list and then they send me emails. And I know they're quite aggressive, these uh, shops. Uh, I think I was on somebody's email list and I got daily emails about shoes. I'm like, there's no way you can buy 365 shoes. So their method, that's very different when you sell products. Uh, it's much more aggressive marketing. When you are in the personal brand space, it's more like a weekly newsletter and you give value, you give value. So you're not selling all the time. You can't be subtly selling, maybe with a PS and say, I have one spot available for my coaching. Uh, or if you have something like a mini course for $47, you can have that all the time. But typically you're building a relationship over time. And like me, we launch twice a year our Samba Kickstart program, which is our signature program. And so in between, you're mostly nurturing people. And uh, it might sound very weird and I'm explaining this, but basically in the offline world, uh, you might have to serve a lot of different people that just come through your shop. So if you have a shoe shop, you cannot just have shoes for people that like rent. You have to have shoes in different sizes, different colors. You'll have to have a great variety because you have a shoe shop here. Online, you could have a shoe shop with only red shoes, only size 37 or six. You can because online you have the whole world that can be buying from you. So I've said this to one of my clients, you actually do not want to be the Google guy. So there was a woman that I was coaching and she had piano lessons. So you would type in the village you live in or city you live in and you say whatever, Zurich, piano lessons. Someone comes up. Are they the best piano teacher that you could get? No, but they are there. They are there. On online, it's about building up your brand. So when you search for something, you find the best person for that particular problem. So actually in the offline world, you have to be more broad in what you do. And online, you have to niche more down and be more specific who you help, how you help them and what kind of programs you offer. Yep. And so for you, that's primarily women building, scaling online businesses to a certain point. And then if they want to go beyond that, I know that that's kind of the, then, you know, you're, you have a sweet spot where you, that you've decided you do this, you do this, you do this, and they, they move through your programs to do that. And then, um, and for me, primarily high achievers, a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs or, or people who are executive level and just have a lot of those achievement kind of personality, go, 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 and driven wanting to take a breath and remember that we got this one life 
at least this one life in this body as this person right now. And how do I make sure I'm enjoying it? You know, usually around a certain age. And if you're listening, you're probably, you know, most likely kind of in that world with me. And, um, and so that is, and now, you know, some of the secrets, the PS and my emails. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Some of the things I'm doing, but yes, it's like, I mean, we can help people and want to help people and also run a business. And the more successful we can become with our businesses, the more we can help more people, Yeah, which is really a cool thing. Yeah. And yeah, it's really a cool thing. Well, thank you for, you know, outlining that. Cause I think some people may not really understand what it's like to be in our little bubble. And, um, and, uh, like I said, I mean, I've been a business owner for over 20 years and yet it wasn't until a year ago that my eyes got open to how many possibilities there are of online courses and all the niches and all the things. And you can go find some course or some something to solve any problem you have. Yes. <laughs> and it's remarkable and it's really cool. It's, it's really truly cool. amazing. And uh, I love that I also get to help so many different people. Um there are people like myself who focus, for instance, only on business coaches. And I, I was very clear when I decided my niche was to actually not niche in this specific field. So I help uh, a stylist or uh, someone who does crocheting or knitting or sewing or uh, Ayurveda, nutrition, uh, also business coaching and marketing coaching, but I love that the variety that I get, you get yes. to see this you know? dog behaviorist, dog so. behaviorist. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes. A lot of dog trainers, very popular and a lot of former architects. Very interesting. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why, but maybe because I mentioned uh, that I studied architecture, they're like, Oh, I think I want to learn from Sigrun. So this is funny how we also, our personal brand we have to mention all the things about us because you never know what might attract a person to you. So I used to ride a motorcycle. I had a big, you know, chopper. Wow. Uh, and people were like, what? And then, <laughs> oh, I had a motorcycle too. And so it's, it's funny how we are looking for someone to help us that we can relate to in some way. Yeah, it makes the difference. I mean, when I, so I found you off of someone, um, I, an email list that I'm I'm still on um, and a coach and mentor that is actually in Australia. And then something just struck me. I, I thought, oh, how cool. This sounds interesting. It was about your 12 days of masterclasses, which is actually coming up again. This will be, I'll let you share about that in a moment, but it just sparked me. I clicked and I checked it out. And then I, I don't know, I couldn't, I can't look back and remember exactly what it was about you, but I, something just intrigued me enough. And also there may be a connection that I absolutely loved my visit to Iceland six years ago, yes, you know, yes. so that too, just like, oh, I love the people there. Oh my gosh. And then just business. And I thought 12 masterclasses for free. This is pretty cool. All about business, all about an area I'd been intrigued to learn a little bit more about. And all over the summer, I mean, uh, holiday, you know, time started on Christmas day through like the, instead of the 12 days of Christmas and that I remember just a couple in, I ended up binge watching them pretty much. I mean, or watched, I guess, as soon as I, however I, I I could, um, paid to have the longer access because I wanted that all, all the stuff. And I remember the value you provided 
was mm. so it was off the charts for anything that mm. I had actually, and even this year, as I've been doing a lot more online and and ex- trying out different people's freebies and courses and paid it versus all of it, I have not seen anyone do a giveaway that is as rich with value. I mean, truly, like mm. you, there's so much stuff in there that if people implemented, I mean, it was very clear and it won me over immediately because I thought she knows this industry. Like it was very Mm -hmm. clear. She knows this industry and I could do a lot of these things on my own. And yet I want to, I also found then that led me to enroll in your kickstart program, which then led to a couple of others. But, (laughs) um, I was reminded how much I personally love being a student Yeah. And I was reminded how much I thrive as a student too. So I was like, well, yeah, why don't I, you know, embrace a new way of teaching through being a student again and have myself guided through. I loved the way that you work your programs where it's, what do you need to know this week? That's all we're going to really tell you. I mean, you have a big picture, you know, the end game in some degree, but I love that because I think, especially for me, at least my personality and there's probably a lot of entrepreneurs and people out there that uh, can relate to this. I would imagine it can be easily easy to get overwhelmed and we want to do all the new stuff and we have so all the ideas and all the stuff. And I want to go to A to Z really fast. And so getting there though, and slowing down to do all the steps sometimes can be frustrating and really try my patience and everything. Although I love, I love all the steps. I love the tech. I love all the nitty gritty. I love learning all of the bits so having it broken down the way you do in your programs was really cool too. So if anybody is looking to get a little side hustle going on, check out something, change your life in a little way, or you've already got an online business and you want to learn some new ways to do some things, you know, I highly recommend you check out Sigrun and her programs. And, and like I said, if, or maybe you're not really happy in what you're doing and it could be even a current business that you own already have, but it's not working for you, there might be a way to turn it online. You may be yeah. shocked to realize that there's a way you can turn it online and scale it so that you can have more freedom and more time for things you want to do, have more of that balance you're seeking. So there, there's a lot of possibilities that I just mm-hmm. invite the listeners to, to, you know, consider and just be open-minded here. And then, um, so any comment to that, Sigrin, and especially please do tell us about the 12 days because- yeah, uh, we'll, we'll share well, a thank you. Thank you for, for sharing sure. your experience of 12 days. It's uh, in the eighth edition. This is the eighth year I do this. And, you know, this comes down to, I don't know, entrepreneurship and consistency is almost like two opposites. Entrepreneurs like to do new things and not finish them and consistency. And, uh, but this has been a winner from day one. It was an idea that I came up with back in 2015, and it's just turned out to be, like you described, the best freebie, the best gift that I've ever created. And there was never a question in my mind that I just do it again and again. Uh, It's always different masterclasses. So we actually have people coming back uh, year after year, uh, and uh, they are free. So I pick 12 masterclasses that show a variety of 
things that we need to focus on in online business. And in my mind, I'm thinking some people might be absolute beginners. So I'll pick a few master classes for them. Some people might be a little bit further in business. So I'll have a few topics that fit better for them. And then maybe our, some are even making six figures. I'll try to have at least one or two master classes for them as well. So when we are advertising these master classes, I am attracting these different people in the different stages, mostly focusing on those who are a fit for our signature program, Sompa Kickstart, and would like to create an online course. But it attracts all kinds of people. So we also have the opportunity to offer some other programs as well. And uh, we have found out that uh, this is just the best way. I was like, can't we have Christmas all year long? Because this is such a great freebie. Uh, and I've never come up with a freebie as good to run the rest of the year. So we're always very excited when this time comes along. And really, it's 12 days of masterclasses. So what is a masterclass? It's one hour of pure content uh, where I'm teaching a very specific topic. So one topic could be how to grow your email list, uh, how to get 1,000 subscribers on our email list. And then there's one hour, and it's step-by-step step how you get 2,000 subscribers on your email list. And then there's another topic maybe on uh, how to sell your online course, and then it talks about exactly how to sell your online course. So it really is a mini course in a masterclass. It's one hour compressed. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's so much fun to do this. I am actually... Uh, as we're doing this now, I have all the props ready. Oh. So I was shopping. <laughs> I was shopping yesterday and I found these great things. <laughs> and now I have 12. Oh, and for anybody things. who's listening to the audio only version of this. Yeah, if you're listening to the audio only, what I'm you just put on your head. Some head headbands that are looking very nice for Christmas. Yeah, and, ornaments uh, ornaments on her head and a, a Santa thing. There's a Santa and, Claus, yeah, there yeah. Is, there's a Christmas package. This is all to put on my head and I get excited. It's almost like I can be childlike, fun, because, you know, business is serious. You know, this is a place <laughs> where we make money and it's serious, but it doesn't have to be serious. It can be fun. It's a lifestyle business. Like, and this gives me joy. This gives me energy. Uh, and when you talked about balance, like you said uh, earlier, recording this video doesn't feel like work. Yeah. The question is, what do you see as work? When yeah. work is so much fun that it actually energizes you and doesn't steal away energy, then I ask myself, why do we need to say I worked this many hours in my job or this much? No, if I can be doing funny videos all day long and I make money with that, hey, why not? Or if I go to a networking event or retreat for a few days and I meet amazing women and you make amazing connections, that's work too. I love hosting my retreats, you know? So definition of work is just not what it used to be. Mm -hmm. And it can be a lot of fun and you shouldn't necessarily count the hours as long as you feel good and you don't feel, you know, depleted. Um, and if you feel depleted, hey, take time off. You know, I had a difficult year after my parents were uh, both sick and in Spain. I had like a loss of energy. Um, this might not have been visible for everyone, but I... I took a break on my podcast. I took break on things 
where I felt I don't have energy for that. Mm -hmm. And I focused on the things where I said, I want to take care of my clients. You know, that's most important for me, my clients and my team, uh, me doing crazy TikTok videos. I'm like, ah, not into it right now. I'll do it when I feel my energy coming back. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling it coming back. And I think it's thanks to 12 days of masterclasses. <laughs> so if I can do a turnaround on my energy with these 12 masterclasses, I'm sure you can too. It's for anyone who's curious about online business. You don't have to have decided to do anything. Uh, you can really just watch these masterclasses and then do something completely different. Uh, it's for anyone who just wants to know more. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody who's followed my journey this year and seen me, you know, develop this online presence, if you decide to go check this out, you can just kind of see a little peek behind the scenes of some of the things that I've <laughs> learned and how I've worked with Sigrin and her team and um, in getting myself into this uh, space this year. Yeah. yeah. Great. I would love to Super. see you in 12 days of master classes. Um, Charis, maybe I'll see you there too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Oh, such a delight to have you on. And um, uh, like I said, the you've made such an impact on my life this year. And it started with the 12 days. So I love that we've timed this so that we can, you know, share that um, and that you're on in, in, into my world now a little bit. So I appreciate it so much. And I love to close my... Um, episodes with a quote. So, you know, one of your favorite quotes, whether it's yours or somebody else's, if you share that with us. It's, it's the last sentence in my book. So this year I wrote the book, Kickstart Your Online Business. Oh yes. And that where, and that's available on Amazon. Amazon. It's available on Amazon. And it talks about the process of building your first or next online course and starting to make sales online. So pretty much for any beginner or advanced beginners or anyone moving from offline to online. Uh, we also have pe- pretty experienced people read the book too. But anyway, the final sentence in the book is uh, a quote from the female first, you know, the first female president of Iceland. I think if the world can be saved, it will be by women. Perfect. Thank you. I hope you're enjoying my Cherish Your Life podcast. If this is supporting you in any way, please review, subscribe, and share it with friends and family. You can follow me on social media at Cherish Your Life. And my website is cherishyourlife.com. Yep, my name's unique. Here's an easy tip for you to pronounce and spell it. It's like the city, Paris, but with a CH. Special thanks to my dear friend, Paul Suyeljis who enhanced and mixed the musical track. Little did we know back in college in the 90s, while my then boyfriend, now husband, and I listened to Paul riff on his guitar, that he'd be helping me decades later give a creative touch to something called a podcast. <laughs>